0: okay we are the story begins so we spoke about in the beginning of the chapter two types of love two meditations to develop love let's backtrack a second for a second in chapter 43 the previous chapter we spoke about two types of loves two different types of loves a higher level of love which is not something that most people would achieve. That's something more that a tzaddik would achieve. It's a certain level of clarity, of, of pleasure, of infatuation, that is in the spiritual geographical plane of Atsilos. Right? A high level of clarity. And we said then there's a level of, that's called Ahava great love. Then we said there's ahavata Olam, a worldly love. I think about how relevant God is to the world, how great he is in my world. The more I think about him, the more I feel him. Or the more I th- or the more I use the world as a frame of reference to appreciate how great he is. Right? The more I'll appreciate the more I'll, I'll feel God. That's called a worldly love. Because I'm appreciating how he manifests in the world and how that's a frame of reference to how great he truly is in chapter 44 to our last class we introduced two new types of loves and these two new types of loves are something that is are, are more universal the worldly love is not universal because if I were to describe the way I experience worldly love and you were to describe the way you experience worldly love and a third person were to describe the way they experienced it, they're going to get three very different experiences. That's generally how feelings work, right? Usually when it comes to passion, it's individualized. Action is not individualized, what's the other word? Socialized, is that the right word? You get what you, you get my point, right? When, when you do a mitzvah and I do a mitzvah, it's the same thing, right? We're doing the same exact action. You put on life. fill in, Moses puts on fill in, right? But Moses having kavana and us having kavana is totally different. We said, despite that fact, despite the disparity that exists within an emotional relationship with God, there are two types of love. That are something that something everybody can achieve, uh, achieve attain equally. The first one is the first one you just referenced, David, on five sixty seven. God is my life. Right. If I love my life, I love God. Right. Very, very simple meditation. Think about that for a moment. How. We are addicted to life to the point that having looked, reflect on the past year and a half, the majority of the population of existence altered their lifestyle because they believe it would preserve their life because they love life. We love life. We're addicted to it. And if we love life, we certainly love the giver of life. The source. That's meditation number one. And the inspiration that this meditation develops is universal in the Jewish community because it's something we inherited from Abraham, ingrained within ourselves. The second level of love that is universal, in contrast to the worldly love described in chapter 43, is seeing God as a parent, not just as a source of life, right? We love our parents. We do crazy things for our parents. Even if it entails being, we we worry about our parents. We, we do, we, we make, we take great lengths to take care of our parents to make arrangements for our parents. In a sense, we appreciate our parents more than we appreciate our own personal comfort. And if God is the ultimate parent, then that's the ultimate love. That's med- that was the second meditation. We said that meditation is going to be harder to experience. But we can train ourselves. The more we train ourselves, the more natural it becomes. It's pretty lofty. That is a lofty level to experience. It is. I want you to think about that for a second. Appreciate how God is a parent. And by the way, when we say God is a parent, um, it's, it's often spoke about spoken about metaphorically. But the Tanya understands God being a parent to us, not metaphorically, but literally. Because our soul is a piece of him. Right, that's what a parent is. A parent means you are literally a biological piece of them. So you're connected, right? Why do you love your parents? Or let me reverse the question. Why do you love your kids? Right, there's no, there better not be an answer. (laughs) Nobody's saying answer, right? There's no reason why we love our kids. As soon as there's reasons why we love our kids uh, you know that it, it's it's uncommon what you once they're teenagers you have to find reasons right you have to find reasons why you love them <laughs> whether when they're <laughs> when they're pre-adolescent and when they're post-adolescent right
1: so josh you, you you're, you're,
0: you're you're speaking about this because you know what a hard time you gave your parents right because
1: you don't have this experience yet,
0: in the other <laughs> direction. <laughs> <laughs> right? There, there are times where we have to find reasons to love someone because the natural love that exists is is kind of hidden, right? But when we reflect on it, we realize we really do love them. You have kids. You know, my, my father served as a juvenile court judge for over a decade. And he saw so often kids who grew up in abusive homes, dysfunctional homes, where they're poverty-stricken, where there's drugs, where there's abuse on multiple levels, kids would be taken away, unfortunately. Or fortunately, I don't know. It depends who you ask. It, It was so common for these kids to want to come back home even though it was uncomfortable and even though it didn't feel safe. It felt natural. It didn't feel, might not have been safe, might not have been comfortable, but it was very natural. Now I'm not saying it's always good to follow nature, but my point is here, our relationship with our parents are natural, very natural. In fact, when there's a discord in a familial relationship, You know, we're uncomfortable because it's unnatural. Now, think about this in our relationship with God for a moment. He's a parent to us. Not just metaphorically, but literally. Our soul literally was born from him, right? Our biological parents gave birth to our biological existence. God gave birth to our um, divine existence, This is, this is an important meditation. It, it may be a little bit abstract. It may be difficult to actually, we can understand it conceptually, but to connect to it emotionally is difficult. And actually take a look on the top of 571. He actually asserts this in the chapter. On top of 571, if you'll train yourself to do this consistently, then habit will become second nature. It does take work. It's it's not easy. The more we think about this, the more we can do it. Now, again, this is something where we're not developing anything from scratch. This all exists. This is something we have um, inherited from our patriarch, Abraham. But what may happen is I consistently train myself to do this, and I feel like a faker. Right? It happens so often in Judaism and religion where people try to grow in their yiddish, try to grow in their spirituality, and they're putting in the effort, the meditations, and they're praying, and, they're, and feel like a faker. I feel disingenuous, disingenuous. Disin, which one is it? Disingenu- disingenuous.
2: Disingenuous.
0: thank you. There we go. We feel disingenuous. Right. Essentially, the entire, by the way, being trying to find an antidote to being disingenuous is is essentially the whole theme of Tanya. But here he spells it out clearly. Right? Take a look on the bottom of 571. So I've trained myself, I'm trying to train myself to experience this love. And even if it seems at first, all the way on the bottom of the page, even if it seems at first, that merely by training yourself to think and feel this way, you're deluding yourself, right? I'm just faking it. Don't worry. You know why? You're not faking it. <laughs> it's not true. Because the selfless love itself, as it exists latently in your heart, is absolutely authentic the love is authentic it's just a question of how to what degree your experience of the love is present but the love is present right the sun trick question how many hours of the day is the sun shining 24 hours a day exactly the sun is shining 24 7 right at night though we're only going to see a reflection of the sun on the moon When we don't see the reflection of the sun on the moon, the sun is still shining. (laughs) We're just not seeing the sun shining because the moon is in the right wrong place. Training ourselves means let's get the moon, let's get our emotions, let's get our heart, our mindset into the right place. The love is still there. The question is, am I allowing myself to experience it? And maybe I'm not, maybe I have various blockages, but it is there. So the first meditation is spelled out. I mean, it's actually word for word. A suggestion, anyway. I, I don't. Is the second
1: meditation actually spelled out here?
0: As a meditation. Right. That's a good question. Um, okay, so he, he doesn't spell to it. Formulate my own words. <laughs> right. It's it's implicit here. It is implicit here. Okay. It. In other words, yeah, you're right. Just reading it, it it, it is implicit, um, unless I'm missing something. You could you could check uh, five sixty eight to five seventy one, if you read through that those those three pages or four pages. and when we feel ourselves lacking the experience of this love the love is still there the love is real i'm just not feeling it I right? don't blame the love <laughs> this is a powerful lesson in our relationships with uh, in our interpersonal relationships sometimes we don't feel love or sometimes because, we're trying to fake love why
1: because your heart's gone to stone and you have to get it out
0: Right, right. That's in the and beginning. Yeah, exactly. 100%. Sometimes we feel like we're faking the love. And what he's asserting here is you're not faking the love, you're working on the love. The love is there, it's just a question of to what degree you experience it. Now, let me ask you now, this is very philosophical. Because who cares? If I'm not experiencing it, what help does it do? What good does it do? The point of love is to experience, is an experience, no? Isn't the point of love to be an experience? And the answer is no. Love is experience, that's not the goal of love. Love is not an experience, love is a motivator. Motions are an engine, right? so let's ask ourselves is it motivating me if this love which i i'm experiencing as disingenuous is it motivating me Mm -hmm. well yeah it is it is motivating me okay relax you're good (laughs) obviously it's not ideal right and obviously we want to be you know we like you're saying we don't want to be desensitized you know, but a big part of it really is emotionally opening up. So our Nishama can, you know, to be more sensitive to the neshama. But but let's ask ourselves: even if I'm a little bit desensitized, I'm not yet sensitized. I'm working on it. but I'm heading in the right direction. Isn't motivating me? Take a look on five seventy-two. Um, the first bold paragraph, it's the third paragraph on the page. Only there is value in bringing the love out of its latent state to be palpable, even if the results are of, this is a new word to me, dubious authenticity. What does dubious mean? Wary. Okay.
2: Questionable.
0: Question, questionable authenticity. Okay, thank you. Who knew that you learn Tanya and you get new words? Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it's important for this love to be somewhat latent, palpable, relevant, even if its authenticity is going to be questionable, so that the palpable love can have a practical application. Which means, what is the practical application? The observance of Dora mitzvahs. If it's, if it's, uh, if it's pushing me to be more active in my relationship with my spouse, my relationship with God, it's doing its job, right? Don't get distracted on how authentic we're being. Sometimes I I, I can't tell you how many times the, there's a term for it. It's called um, imposter syndrome, right? We're afraid of being imposters imposter syndrome holds people back in relationships it holds people back most by the way i i I hate to say this i believe this uh maybe this is controversial i'm gonna say it anyways okay pause the recording for no i'm kidding but i believe that most divorces happen because of imposter syndrome i don't have any data to support that that's why it's a belief i'm not saying it's a fact but I believe most divorces take place because of imposter syndrome. We crave being genuine as human beings. We can't stand being hypocritical. And if how how I uh, feel on the inside is not in line with my reality, I'm in pain, right? And what he's asserting here is Get over yourself, buddy. <laughs> you're, getting so, you're getting so distracted about how genuine your feelings are. Your feelings are doing their job. Let them do their thing. They're motivating you. That's what they're there for. Now, obviously, you want much more than that. And I get that. And you will get there, right? If you keep reading the time, you'll get there. We'll talk about more levels of love and deeper levels of love. But on a very basic level, it's doing its job. The relationship is there. Don't worry about being disingenuous. You're headed in the right direction. Bottom line, it's motivating me to give God nachas. You know, Sammy Davis Jr. used to say, nachas, baby. I've, I've never listened to Sammy Davis Jr., but my, my dad used to love that line. Um, We're giving God nachas, we're making God happy, right? You're making your spouse happy and you're motivated to do it. Don't worry about being disingenuous. Okay, what is the specific meditation though to experience this love? Either love, by the way, let's let's shift back. Even if it's not the higher love of God as a father, Let's think about God as our life source, right? That's an, that's an easier concept to to uh, relate to. I love life. I love the giver of life then, right? Um, if, if you love Diet Coke, you love visiting the Coke factory. I don't know. <laughs> but that's I guess that's an oversimplification. But Mike, don't look at this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, T- take a look on 574. How do we allow ourselves to experience this love? There's a fascinating meditation here. We've mentioned it last time. I'm obsessed with this, and you'll soon see why. This is gonna be awesome. And sometimes it's more exciting to learn about the meditation than to actually put in the work and meditate, but we we won't talk about that that would be disingenuous right okay (laughs) um middle of 574 the middle bold paragraph it's the only bold paragraph on the page now even the lower level of more self-oriented love mentioned above in section two but the love of i desire you at night as isaiah says where you long for God because he's the source of your life. This is very much within reach of you, meaning it's practically possible to bring this love from its latent state to be palpable. The love of, if I love life, I love the giver of life, God. Right? That meditation is very practical to experience emotionally. We can love God emotionally. Here's what you need to do. Retraining yourself consistently with your mouth and heart consistent. What does that mean? The more we speak about
2: what? I was going to say, do what you say and say what you do.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, a, a big part of davening. You know, we're repeating the same thing every day. But when you say it, it becomes your reality.
2: And saying it out loud is is more powerful than just saying it to yourself. It actually.
0: A hundred percent, a hundred percent. When you say it, becomes reality. When you when you verbally enunciate the words, articulate the words, it really becomes reality. Um, I, this is a ugly comparison to make but with with ultimate separation Hitler would say or he would say about Hitler that if you want people to believe a lie just keep on repeating it right becomes reality if that's the case with a lie how much more so is it the case with the truth Right. The truth is we have this love latent with it, latent within us. Right. As long as we can believe that, all we gotta do is say it. Right? That's Davening. That's why we pray. We praise God. God has a healthy self-esteem. <laughs> right? He doesn't, he doesn't, it's not that he needs our praises, but we need we need our praises to him. The more we say it, the more we experience it. But take a look on 575, the middle bold paragraph. But if you're not able to bring even the lower level of self-oriented love to palpable expression in your heart through persistent meditation and habitual verbalization, at least do the following. So I start speaking about it and I meditate and I pray and I, I'm going nowhere. It ain't working, right? Heart of stone. What do I do? Okay, here's what you do. I, I really, I am fascinated by this, and, and you'll soon see why. 575, the next bold paragraph. It's the last bold paragraph on the page. Nevertheless, you can still observe Torah and mitzvahs with sufficient authenticity to enable your worship to spiritually fly heavenward through at the very least picturing this love mentally in your mind causing your mitzvah to be propelled heavenward with the equivalent of a wing, uh, of a wing of a love since the blessed holy one attaches a good de- thought to deed, so think about it this way picture it I, I'm actually i'm going to underline this in my book at the very least picturing the love mentally in your mind Think about that for a second. So we're going to do a little exercise here. You're welcome to close your eyes if you want, or you don't have to. But imagine what it would feel like if you loved God. Let's say you did love God. Pretend. Right? Imagine what you would feel like. Imagine that feeling. Right. Paint that feeling in your mind. Create that expectation. I'm in deep love for God. I appreciate him. I feel him. He's my life. He's my parent. Whatever works for you. Right? Okay. Now, the first mitzvah that comes to your mind, whatever it may be, praying in the morning or whatever it might be, Shabbos, imagine how that's going to animate your mitzvah observance right? Okay, you're with me? You're doing this mitzvah, motivated, motivated by this deep love that you have. Okay. How was that mitzvah? What was it like? How was the observance? What did it feel like? Potentially. A lot more animated, right? A lot more passion. I'm not just mumbling the words of prayer. I I mean it with my heart and soul because I feel the love. I'm having a conversation with God, right? I'm not just strapping on that trillin. I feel like I'm doing God's command, right? This love that I just developed is animating my actions. Okay, let's get back to reality for a moment. I don't actually have that love, but let me pretend I do. I think about God and let me do the mitzvahs with that same animation. Let me observe God with that same animation that I've just envisioned, right? It's starting backwards, starting from the target and then drawing the bullseye around it, right? Shooting the arrow and then drawing the bullseye around it. (laughs) What should this love feel like? How should that animate and um, um, invigorate, give vitality to my observance, whatever that observance might be? whatever mitzvah we're thinking of, wherever we feel we need motivation. And now do that mitzvah with that same fervor and same passion, working toward that love. It's action triggering passion in this case, rather than relying on the passion to trigger action. In other words, this type of love is very conceptual. But the Talmud says that God attaches a good thought to deed. Right, which means something that was just in your mind can actually motivate deed. It works. It really does work. We got to try this. I, I think this is amazing. So there's a several step process. Just, just to, let, we could systemize this meditation, right? He says here, picture the love mentally. So think about the love. Think about loving God. Okay, I, but I don't love God. Okay, just think about it, pretend, right? We could play pretend, I like pretend. Let's play pretend for a moment. I love God, right? Think about it. Think about a deep love relationship that you may have experienced. And think about that with God for, for a moment. Imagine you had that with God. Imagine the vitality and passion I would have in doing a mitzvah when I wake up in the morning and I'm just feeling that this is, this is who I want to connect with. This is my true love. Now we have to wake up into reality and do the mitzvah with that same love. And now the mitzvah will pull out the love instead of the love relying on the mitzvah to motivate the love, on the love to motivate the mitzvah. This is a very different meditation than what we're used to.
1: It sounds like a lot of hard work and intellectualization to get to a point where it should actually just become natural.
0: Right. It
1: it shouldn't be so much thought. It should actually just come naturally through the actions and through the good deeds. It's just, yeah. It's,
0: you know what, it, it, it will for some people. Everybody's different. It definitely will for some people. For others, it won't. You know, everybody is, the, the problem is our default perspective for most of our, for, you know, for the first twelve or thirteen years of our lives, the so barbat mitzvah is the animal soul. That's the perspective we're born into. Which means, for the first twelve or thirteen years of our life, we, by default, think about ourselves, right? Yeah. First thing about what? Think about it. What do babies intentionally give?
1: Unconditional love.
0: Right, they it, not intentionally. They unintentionally give it. But what do they intentionally give? Right, they don't intentionally give yet. They're not. They're not at that point. People, by definition, are 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 without the divine soul are self-centered. Right. Once the barbot mispa takes place, now you have a divine soul that's fully integrated. Now that divine now your animal soul is being challenged, and that's why adolescents are going to go through their thing. And be annoying or whatever it is <laughs> you know they're they're not used to having this animal soul uh, sorry divine soul challenge their animal soul but slowly we try to mature and we can develop the divine soul's perspective but it, to be sensitive to it you're, you're saying it should be natural and it, it is natural but but it's hard to be sensitive to it but, you know we it's, have an animal soul just, we have a body we have we have it's a, like- uh
1: you have to intellectualize to get to the point of being at a point where you can open up to the concept of loving which doesn't make sense it makes it like a, like a, i don't know it's just so intellectual you know where it should come naturally through mitzvot from the previous chapters
0: it you're is what it, you're saying is correct some people it, yeah
1: Isn't it,
2: isn't it taught? I mean, don't we as parents teach our children to, or we help our children to develop this, this sense of self that is deeper than what they're, like you said, before they hit adolescence. I mean, it's not something that happens overnight. It's a process.
0: Yeah. It's a, it's something you have to learn. It it is something that's learned.
2: Some people learn Um, it very young and and carry it through their whole lives and other people have an epiphany when they're older, you know, it's, yeah. it's very individualized.
0: It Everyone will experience it differently. Now the truth is Sharon, you have a very good point. If I'm doing God's will, I'm doing God's myth. Like why are we being so complicated? I'm doing God's myth. I'm studying his Torah, I'm connecting to him. That should inspire me. Yeah. It, 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 you're right. That's <laughs> a very good point.
1: So now if you think about it so much, you think about it to the point of thinking about everything you're not living because you're too busy thinking about how you're going to make this connection when, when, when it's actually there anyway, because the previous chapter said it's there anyway. It just needs to be tapped into.
0: Well, well, that's what the thinking is. The thinking is tapping into it. It's tapping into it on a conscious level.
1: So you just have to acknowledge it exists.
0: Well, yeah. Yeah. For some people, though, that's going to take a little bit more meditation than others. Everyone's mm-hmm. different. I don't know. It's you know, Ta- hard. Through, throughout, yeah, yeah, it is. Through Look, um, to, to draw a comparison, couples go to a marriage therapy, right? Look at Tanya as the marriage therapist between us and God. Couples go to a marriage therapist. And one of the things therapists often try to do is cognitive re, cognitively restructure their expectations and their perspectives, their interpretations. But those are all intellectual, right? But it affects our emotions. Our, our intellect really does affect our emotions. That's the whole idea of CBT, of cognitive restructuring. Uh, restructuring. Our perspective, um, you know, think about it. So many people are watching negative news and, and are depressed, right? You might have someone else who doesn't watch the news and, and is happy or, or, or you know, to, to make it a more accurate uh, study, if you will. Take that same person and when he shuts off the news, finds himself in a better mood, right? Our intellectual intake does impact our feelings.
2: Yeah. In
0: this case, the reason why it, it's universally in the Jewish community successful is because it's an inheritance we have it's more of a realization than, than, than a, than learning. You know, it's not just an epiphany. It's it's a realization of something that has already existed. And, and, you know, some you might find that this meditation is not for you. You have multiple angles that we're going through in Tanya. You know, we have 53 chapters here and each chapter we're we're kind of going through a different angle and you might find that you know what what we learned last week is more my speed and you know what go for it
1: it's just that food. you can get stuck if you get like this and you can be get stuck into to getting into where's before you doing i don't know just yeah i'll work it through <laughs>
0: here he's saying that, that that there's somebody who may have trouble experiencing the love basically fake it till you make it but be intentional about what you want to, where you want to make it to right think about the love think about imagine i did have that love and apply that same passion um it, it is a, it is a little bit of an intellectual exercise you're right
2: are you saying that if you are a more intellectual person, it's necessarily yeah. easier easier for you to fake it till you make it? I mean, I think someone who's genuine would have just as easy a time as someone who was more intellectual, as long as they're, they were genuine and on the right path, right?
0: I, I, it's a good question. I, I think some people, I think everybody's going to need something different you know that's why we have the various meditations we have the various levels of love everybody needs everybody's going to connect different everybody has a different soul everybody has a different personality and for some it's like sharon like you're saying you know come on you're driving yourself crazy just just connect
1: Mm. right because how are you gonna know if you make it because you need a proof of making it
0: no, no, no. As, as soon as you think you made it, <laughs> then we have Then problems. you haven't made it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you're going to
1: go mad, literally, because you're never going to achieve anything.
0: It, it's beautiful. A relationship should never end. A relationship should should, should, should always be a, uh, a growing process.
1: Then you will always be faking it.
0: No. At, at some point, we will feel genuine. If at some point we don't feel genuine, we're doing something wrong.
1: Okay.
0: At some point we should feel genuine. And what he's saying here is that it, it is genuine. It's just a question of, you know, experientially it might not yet be, but, but it's there. It is there. I think it's sort of like learning. Some people are visual learners. Some people are audible. Some people are tactile learners and you can't I think learning to love God, probably you have to try different ways for different people. Right. You gotta there's your your love or language. A com- <laughs> or a combination. What? Or a combination. Yeah. yeah. But I, I yeah, exactly. You might find that this part of the chapter speaks to you. And you know, maybe those couple of lines you'll underline in your book and reflect on those. And you might find no, you know what? And it might depend on what day where you're holding in life, you know, and what day of the year it is. You know what I mean? There's times where no, let me go back to chapter 32. This is what I need right now. This is what speaks to me right now. It it's going, it it, it's very it's fine if it fluctuates. If there's one part of Tanya that you might find more meaningful or personally relevant than another part, that's that's totally appropriate. Very much appropriate. If you look on 580 let's skip ahead a little bit despite these universal loves that we're talking about that have been bequeathed by abraham they shouldn't come at the expense of what we referred to earlier as the worldly love the ahavat olam right Take a look on uh, 580, the first bold paragraph. It's kind of the middle of the page, towards the end of the page. Nevertheless, alongside your efforts with the meditations of this chapter, you must invest the mental effort to also attain and reach the lower level of worldly love mentioned above in chapter 43. So this is kind of like what you're saying, Sharon. Despite this meditations that we're speaking about in our chapter, don't forget about the worldly love, thinking about how God is relevant to your world and how the world is a frame of reference to experience how good, uh, great he is, right? Which results from understanding and knowing the greatness of God. Do you know what's beautiful about the worldly love? Why? Let's first see what he says. Let's first look at its impact. Um, the next bold paragraph. Last one of the page, worldly love is necessary in order to be passionate about God, to engorge your torch of fiery love, more emotional, like a flaming fire and roaring flames burning up to the heavens. What's beautiful about this love is it's subjective. It's how I understand God personally from the frame of reference of of my reality my perspective right it's a it, it's a very personal level of love and the reason why that's important you know there there's there's two things we want in in, in a relationship and they're often contradictory and if we can bridge the two we fulfill The whole purpose of existence. We want a relationship to be true, or anything—not just a relationship. We want truth, and we want—we want life to be true. We want it to be meaningful. Those are often at odds with one another, right? Truth does not accommodate feelings, and what is meaningful—personally meaningful—is not often the genuine truth, reality. So what we were talking about earlier is experiencing the truth of God as the giver of life, as a parent. Very difficult to connect to these concepts in some ways. The only way we could connect is because the, the um, inkling to connect to that has been bequeathed by, by Abraham, by the patriarch. They're true, but they're not necessarily meaningful. Right.
1: On if, the other hand,
0: that if, which is if, meaningful yeah. is not necessarily the genuine. It doesn't mean it's a lie, but it doesn't mean it's true. I find it meaningful, right?
1: Um if if you're questioning truth, then you have to challenge. Because because if you challenge and it's true, it'll stay true. So so and to make it meaningful but you know the truth because it's in the torah but it's the 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 connection is true because it's supposed to be there but you have to challenge it because the thing that's true is got to stay true
0: right in other words it's not going anywhere right our challenging it or our our trying to process it subjectively is what makes truth meaningful it's bridging the two worlds yeah right if we can it the makes it worlds,
1: it makes it true because it's it, it then it makes it more meaningful because it is true
0: yeah exactly in other words if god is not only true but true to me if he's just true to me this is how i like to conceptualize god okay i created a god you know <laughs> but if the god is true i accept him and i process that truth by way of challenging by way of meditating. So now the truth becomes meaningful and I fulfilled my purpose of existence. Take a look on 582. Um, it's the third paragraph of the page. It's the second bold paragraph. And also a second reason why you must also invest the mental effort to attain a worldly love. Right? Even though the meditations of this chapter are talking about a higher love. So the reason why we need to also focus on a worldly love, which is subjective, right? The world is very subjective, is because this is the whole purpose of man and the reason for his existence. Man exists in order to know, intimately know, da'as, the glory of God, and the splendor of his glorious kingdom. And while God intrinsically defies comprehension, each individual must try to grasp as much as he can withstand. So let let me put it this way. How much of your mind, how much of God can your mind understand? What percentage of God can your mind understand? Zero, right? That's experiencing the truth of God. What percentage of your mind should be occupied with understanding God? 100%. That's the meaningful relationship part of God. If we can get both of those simultaneously, we've fulfilled our purpose of, of existence. The world will know God. That's the Messianic era. To know the truth of God, but yet in a meaningful way. Right? Uh, take a look at the last line. the quotes from the Zohar, all the way in the last, all the way at the bottom of the page on 582. As written as is written in the Zohar by ahemna Parsha poem, that God emanated his different attributes. The reason why God created the world essentially, is so that people should know him, to have a personal, meaningful relationship with God. But the truth of him, which means as much as I can experience emotionally and conceptually, I, can re- I should realize that he's way beyond what I can cognitively experience. Make sense?
1: Yeah.
0: Okay, well, that's my story and I'm sticking to it.